For over a decade, LifePoint Church has been serious about our call to help people connect with God. That mission has kept us focused and helped us to effectively share the message of Christ. Thousands of lives have been changed, marriages have been healed, addictions have been broken, and people have found hope, freedom, and forgiveness through Jesus. As we look to the past, amazed at what God has done, we look expectantly to our future, believing that God has far more to do in us and through us, as a people, as a church, and with our future, we are unfinished. Well, good morning. Welcome to LifePoint today. My name is Donnie Williams. I'm the lead pastor here. And if you're here for the first time, thanks for coming today. We really appreciate you being here. This morning, I would love to meet you after the service. I'll be down front afterwards. Please come and introduce yourself. So in your seat, when you came in, if you are here for the first time, probably freaked you out a little. Uh, this is not something we do every week. Today is a special day. Last week, our kids made their commitment, our uh, elementary, our middle, and our high school students all made their commitments to this unfinished journey that we're going to be on for the next couple of years in our church. And really what unfinished is all about is just saying, God, show us where we're unfinished because we know we have so much more to do for you, for the kingdom of God, and for our community. And I love the way those, the smallest of the kids you heard from talk about their commitments because just imagine as they grow up, having started at that young of an age, thinking about what commitment is, thinking about what it means to let God continue to work in you, and thinking about what generosity is. I think they're going to grow up with a whole different view of generosity. A view of generosity that's not, well, that's just about money. But a view of generosity that's about what can I give in my life, from my life, including money, that'll make the mission of the church move forward. So this little girl, uh, Mason, said that what she's going to do is she's going to make food bags for homeless people and for sick people. So for homeless and sick people, Mason has got you covered. She's going to be helping you out. And that innocence of that kind of generosity is how we've asked everybody over the past several weeks to approach God and say, God, show me where I am unfinished. It all comes from a section of scripture in the book of Philippians. And like every week over the past five weeks, we're going to read this verse out loud together. Look at it as it's on the screens. Let's go. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. I pray that your love will overflow more and more, and you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. So that verse simply means that what we're going to be doing is asking God to show us what do you have more for us? Because we want to help more people get to know Jesus. And so we've asked for 100% of the people that go to our church, call LifePoint their church home, to get fully engaged in this unfinished journey. If you're here and you don't know what that's all about, you can grab a booklet on the way out called Unfinished. Just You can look through that. You can go to weareunfinished.com and find about, out about what it's all about at our church. 
So today's the day that we've been leading up to to make our commitments. And this started back in the spring when we started talking about unfinished behind the scenes. As I gathered leaders and I started to say, hey, help me discern this. Is this the direction God has for us? Because I don't want this to be one person's idea. I want us to have collective wisdom and collective discernment as we ask God to show us where he wants us to go next. And so everything you read about unfinished has come from this collective wisdom and discernment and a lot of people being before God in prayer saying, God, where do you want us to go as a church? And so it's all led up to this day, one of the pivotal days in this unfinished journey where we're going to make commitments. And I'm going to talk about that card that's in your seat just a little bit later. But so many people have told me since day one when you got that card, you said, I've been praying over that. I've been asking God to speak to me and guide me about what I should give and what I should sacrifice and what that should look like. Well, today for just a few minutes before we bring our commitments forward, I want to bring some more clarity to what this unfinished journey is all about and more importantly, what motivated us to do it. What motivated us to take the risk and talk about where we believe God is leading in some big areas in our church, to take the risk and talk about generosity, to take the risk and say, we want everybody to pray about what you would be giving financially to this unfinished journey, to take the risk and ask everybody to take big steps of faith, to sacrifice and prioritize and surrender all that we have and all that we are to God. So to bring some clarity, I want to go back in Scripture to a point when Jesus first started to call people to him. And when he first started to call people, some of the people he called, in fact, some of the ones that became the largest influencers in Jesus's ministry after he left the earth were just simple everyday fishermen. And so Jesus goes up one day to these fishermen and he says, hey, come and follow me. And he doesn't just say, come and follow me. He meets them right where they are and he says, come and follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And something about that made these fishermen say, that is an awesome idea. I'm leaving my nets, leaving my boats, and I'm going to go learn how to fish for people. And for three years, Jesus did just that. He showed them how to fish for people. And then Jesus comes to the end of his earthly ministry after his death, burial, resurrection. And he says these words in Matthew chapter 28, beginning at verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So really what Jesus, if you had a literal translation of this original Greek text, it would not just sound like, hey, go do this. It would sound more like, as you go about your life, tell other people about me. Help other people become disciples. Let other people in on what you found. So as you go about your daily life, in other words, he's telling them, reorient your life to where it's all about helping other people find what you've found. So one of the things that a disciple of Christ naturally does is they help other people become disciples of Christ. And later on, 
when the church starts to really take form, it's all recorded in the New Testament book of Acts. It's where Jesus makes his final earthly appearance, and he's telling this group of people, a very small group of people, that he's going to send his Holy Spirit, and his Holy Spirit is going to come upon them and enable them to do things they normally wouldn't do, give them confidence and courage and the ability to speak in ways they'd never spoken before. And then he ends it by saying this, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's the mission statement for the church. That's the mission statement of Jesus. His mission was, I want you to go be witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. This one verse set a tone for how the rest of the book of Acts plays out. This one verse sets a tone for how the first century church began. It was Jesus' last words on earth, and he was making them count. He was letting them know, this is what I really care about. Now, those geographical places, unless you grew up there, probably don't have a lot of meaning to you. But to the people who originally heard this, it carried more than just a geographical location. So he says, be my witnesses in Jerusalem. To all the people listening, that would have been nearby. Be my witnesses near you in the place you're passionate about, in the place you love, because Jews, especially practicing Jewish people today, have this affinity, and even then, this affinity for Jerusalem. In fact, Jewish people in Jerusalem will fight for it, will defend it, will stand up for it, even die for it, because they have this affinity for Jerusalem. And so what Jesus is saying by talking about Jerusalem is, be my witnesses in the area where you have this passion and where we have passions and desires and ability, that is the place we can best be used in our personal ministry. That is the place where God can use us. That is our Jerusalem. It could be one place or multiple places, but as we've talked through this unfinished vision, Many of you have come to me about different parts of this and said, oh, I, I really want to be a part of that. So when we talked about the preschool that we're going to start and the purpose of starting it is to help new young families who move to our area have a place that they can, their kids can start to learn about Jesus in an environment that's taught through the arts. And when I shared that vision, many of you came up and you were like, oh my gosh, I want to be involved with that. I want to help families find this. I want to help families that would never have a chance, have a chance to send their kids to a school like this. And you felt this passion. Well, that's your place of ministry. And then when we talked about the special needs programming that we're going to have from the, what we do on Sunday morning to the playground for special needs kids, when we talked about all of that, some of you felt something well up inside of you and you said, that's me. I want to be involved with that. That's your passion. And maybe you have skills in that area. That's your place of personal ministry. And some of you, when we 
talked about the sports part of what we're going to do to build a bridge to the community and, and have something that involves people in that area, you were like, I am a sports person. That is my passion, and I'm, I can use that now to be a witness the message of Christ. Or when we talk about construction or design or strategy or all the things that we've talked about over the last several weeks, many of you have started to feel this passion well up inside of you. And we're going to have an opportunity over the next few weeks for you to identify what team do you want to be on? Where do you want to live out your personal ministry? And there's many more areas. I just hit a few. But one of the most rewarding things you can do as a follower of Christ is to find that area of passion, discovering how your personal ministry can be a witness in ways you never thought possible. Now, I, I got to nervously just tell you something. It's about my personal ministry and, and my wife's personal ministry and what we believe for the last couple of years that God has been really pulling our hearts towards. And I've been holding out on you. I haven't told you about it. And it's a, little, it's a little bit scary to tell you. But it's our personal witness. It's a way, it's our personal ministry and a way that we can be a witness. And something we believe God's calling us to. Back in April, we started this journey. It's not quite done yet. But, but last week, or week before last, we received our foster parent license. And that is something that we have been... And I don't say that to get you to applaud. I say that to say that's something that's just been within us that we felt like we can make a difference there. We can do that. And not only that, I may be, with the little bit of influence that God's allowed me to have, maybe I can influence other people to do the same thing. Maybe. And for us, it's going to lead to, we're praying for that it leads to the adoption of an older child. Because those are the ones that get forgotten. Those are the ones that people kind of look over. Those are the ones that need attention and care and love and need to hear, hey, you're, you're important. And we're going to head on that journey. And no, we can't rescue every kid, but we can rescue one. And I can promise you that one kid's life will be different. So what's your personal ministry? That's mine, that's Cinda's, but, but what is it that's burning inside of you that you have to do? For us, it's been that. For you, it may be something else. But what is it? It should scare you. It should sometimes make you wake up at night thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this. It should fill you up with this purpose of I am doing something in my Jerusalem, right around me, that's going to help me be a witness with the faith that I have. And then Jesus goes on to expand beyond our, our personal area and our personal passions and desires. And he says, I want you to go to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And what he's telling them is, I want you to start nearby, but I also want you to go to them, what they would have heard, go to people that aren't like you that are from a different nation, that are from a different race. Go, go to different people around you, further away from you, in a larger circle, and be witnesses to them. What they would have heard was Jesus saying, 
Go to people you don't even like and let them know about me and be their witness. Go to people that you haven't ever met yet, maybe even your enemies, and let them know about me. That's what Jesus was telling them to do. So when we talk about this big international component to what we do as a church, it blows my mind when somebody says, well, what about what are we doing here? Why aren't we doing something here? You need to take that up with Jesus because he's the one. Like, don't ask me about it. Go say, Jesus, why is it you want us to go to all the world and I just can't stay in this little comfort area of my own? Go ask him about it. Because all I'm going to say is, well, all I know to tell you is what Jesus said. And he said, go everywhere to the ends of the earth. And that's more than just my little comfort zone, my city, my state, my country. It's the world. That's what he asks us to do. And remember how this started. It all started with Jesus saying, hey, come follow me. And you fishermen, I want to show you how to fish for people. These weren't just any fishermen that he called. These weren't guys standing by a lake with a fishing pole. These were professional fishermen. They would have caught lots of fish. In fact, they would have done this for a living. Now, there's a couple ways to fish. You can stand with a fishing pole, or you can fish with a net. When I visit our churches that we planted in Ecuador, they're right on the Pacific coast and near a town called Manta. And Manta is this fishing village uh, in Ecuador, right on the Pacific coast, and When you go through this town, it's right by the ocean, and you see these big pavilions. And under these pavilions are tables, and it's where they bring the fish in for the day. And they bring these huge catches in, and they put them out, and then what happens from then on out, you don't want to know. Like, I don't want to see that part. I just want to see it on my plate, finished. But that's where they clean the fish, and that's where they get them ready for market. And they feed their families, and they make a living, and they feed a city. Nobody's walking up saying, hey, I caught a fish today. They're not doing that. They're coming and saying, look at all these fish I caught, and it's going to make a difference in in my income. It's going to make a difference in our city, and it's going to feed people. Well, in our next steps as a church, we're, we're using fishing nets. We're casting some really big nets, and we're saying we want to cast bigger nets to help more people find the message of Christ. That's why we're casting a bigger net. That's why we're saying we believe these components that we've talked to you about and you can read about in that booklet or look about on our website, we believe those things are casting larger nets for us to help more people get connected with God. So Jesus's disciples, when they heard him say this, they immediately started casting their nets wider because they grew from 12 to 120 who would have heard Jesus say, go be my witnesses. And that 120 in one day turned into 3,000 people. 12 to 120 to 3,000. That's really good math. That's a lot of people. And in fact, it goes on to say that they added new people every single day. Why were they doing that? Because they lived their lives as they went along. They were casting their nets in such a way that more and more people got in on the message of Christ. Here's what happened as they did that. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. 
And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared meals with great joy and generosity. Those two things go together, joy and generosity. All the while, praising and enjoying the goodwill of all people. So the result of fishing for people was more people. It changed everything. But big things started to happen. It says they had unity and they had joy. And they had generosity with their life and with their money. They were generous with everything. Who would say, my life would not be better if I had more joy and generosity and unity? Every single person in here, your life would be better if you had more of that in it. My life would be better if I had more of that in it. Because here's the big result they saw from unity, from joy, and from being generous. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That was the result of them casting their nets wide, of them doing it joyfully, of them doing it with generosity, and doing it in unity and saying, yes, we want more people to know Jesus. They cast their nets, they grew, and people found Christ. This whole unfinished journey is not about money. Please don't miss that. Yes, there is a financial goal. $9 million is the financial goal. But that's not the primary reason that we're doing all this and talking about all this. It's for 100% of us to say, God, where am I unfinished? How can I be that witness that helps more people find Jesus? You know what's going to happen when we make these commitments? The same thing that happened to those of us who were here when we were much smaller, when we met in a school and we met in a movie theater and we wondered what's going to happen this week, is anybody going to show up? When we did that, we all together in unity joyfully made commitments and said, we believe God's calling us to do more. This morning, I went and sat in a spot in my car, because it's cold, on the other side of the parking lot. About where I sat one spring when it was just a wooded lot, and I said, God, this is the place. I believe this is the place you have for us. Please work it out. And that's an amazing story, how he worked that out. And now we have stories to tell because those of us who experienced the unity and the joy and the generosity years ago and said, we are going to be generous to make this happen. Every time we see you show up, every time we see a new face, those of us who were here back then say, thank you, God, for using our generosity to help more people find Jesus. When I see the numbers of people accepting Christ and getting baptized go up and up and up, I think back about, hey, we prayed on that field. We prayed for people to be generous and people brought commitments and now you're here. And what I'm asking every person to do, let's be that for the next huge group of fish that we catch. As we cast this net out there, let's be that for them. So we can tell the stories of, hey, I remember when we got uncomfortable and we, we made commitments and we said, we're going to have a larger influence. And God used that and he changed me and I began to operate in this area of personal ministry and look at what God has done. And you will tell stories of families that found Jesus because their kids went to a preschool. Of families that felt like they were left out who have kids with special needs 
all of a sudden feel included. And some of them will find Jesus because of it. And you're going to feel like, I had a part in that. I helped make that happen. So what we're asking to do is just make a commitment because that's what disciples of Christ do. Now, I can't possibly know what this commitment card means to you. I don't know how much you've prayed about it and how much you've rearranged things in your life and reoriented your life so this can be the commitment that you make today. Your prayers and your faith and what you've surrendered and what you've sacrificed. But I can tell you this, that Cinda and I, I want my wife to come out here as I tell you this, that we... As you've wrestled through, like, what should I write down there? As we have done that together, we've been wrestling right along with you and thinking, do we, should we really do that? Is that what we should do? And, and our decision was, for us, this is going to be the largest single check for generosity we've ever written. And it'll also be the largest percentage on a continual basis we've ever given away. And that's what we're asking you to consider. Because that's where your amount will be different. It may be a lot less. It may be a lot more. But let it be the amount that God has guided you towards. And so before we make our commitments, I just want to pray. I want to pray for you. And then I'm going to give you some instructions about the cards. So let's pray. God, as we cast our nets wider, as we today sit here, with an opportunity to make a commitment just like so many that came before us made and said, God, we're going we're gonna to be committed to this. And God, we're going to be witnesses. And we're going to experience unity and joy and generosity just like that first century church did. And God, may you use us. May we be able to say, and God added to our number every single day. Because every number that's added is a soul that you save, is a person that finds hope and healing and forgiveness. God, use us. God, as we wrestle through what number to write down, it was we wrestle with attitudes of fear and even, even frustration. God, I pray that you would just let us see that the number one thing that competes for our hearts is our money. And God, the more generous we are with it, the less control it's going to have over our hearts. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.